third edition of the Forks Down Podcast. Your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, the guy who stayed up to shoot this podcast tonight. It's way past his bedtime. We're burning the midnight oil, but we're getting it done for you guys. Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing tonight? Mr. Clark, uh, doing rather well. I've uh, taken a nap and um, feeling uh, relieved and ready to do this. So how are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm not doing too bad. Um, I just got back off work, so that is why we're shooting it late. But uh, I don't know. It was an all right day at work. I was looking forward to the podcast. That's what got me through my day. So Good, 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 good. Yep. Before we get into it, I just want to thank everyone for coming back and listening to the Forks Down podcast. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. You know, we're we're here for, I think this is episode 54. So very, very much appreciate you guys and all the uh, listens that you've uh, accrued for this podcast. If you're a first time listener, hey, thanks for choosing us. And hopefully we're your new Mariners home for, uh, man, I really screwed that up. Hopefully we're your new home for Mariners baseball to content gosh it's just not rolling off the tongue today bo <laughs> we all um, we all have we all have imperfect games so yeah you're good keep it going keep it going you're fine you know i got just got to get in the motion here <laughs> um if you haven't already go hit up our social media pages you can find us on facebook find us on instagram just search forks down pod you can also hit up like and subscribe on your podcast listening app and that'll uh, get you notified about new episodes dropping when we drop them um, I, we're, we're fairly consistent, um, you know, outside of, you know, us having a little break during the all-star break, you know, where I was traveling and Bo, um, you know, had to go back to work. So just couldn't fit it in last week, but we're back doing two episodes a week here, dropping the best Mariners content possible. Um, so, you know, thanks. Thanks for being with us. You do all that. Maybe give us five stars on your podcast listening app. That'll help us out. Drive us up the charts a little bit, get us more visibility, but just you guys listening to us. We very much appreciate it. So with all that being said, Bo, I feel like I, I got back in the groove towards the end there. Um, let's hit up some Mariners notes. And we've got quite a few of them because uh, this twin series was uh, kind of tough on the bullpen. Uh, definitely tough on the bullpen. We just had a lot of guys, uh, you know, we had Logan Gilbert throwing a lot of pitches. We had Brian, we having a couple struggles there. So, Need a lot of pitching help, and I think the I think the Mariners were getting close to trying some of these guys out in the bullpen anyway, so I think this was just a good time to do it. But um, the Mariners option Ty Adcock to Arkansas as well as Isaiah Campbell to Arkansas, and subsequently they called up Prelander Baroa and Devin Sweet to come fill those spots for those two. Um, <clears throat> I think we knew eventually that we were going to see Prelander Baroa. Yeah, we know that he mm-hmm. had kind of moved um, to more of a bullpen role while he was in Arkansas. So I think it was kind of inevitable that he was going to come up at some point. Um, Devin Sweet, I think we weren't as uh, I think sure on or didn't quite know what the what the situation with Devin Sweet might be. We know that you know primarily been a rel- relief pitcher for uh, the last. I think he kind of switched more to a bullpen role in 2022. Did a little bit of that beforehand as well, but um, yeah, had had a relatively good season in Double A. Um, I think the Mariners decided to kind of give him a spot at this point, and uh, you know, Prelander Bro was somebody that we were expecting, and he is there now. So we'll see kind of what they both have. Um, you know, I don't think we've seen Baroa yet, 
Um, so no, we have. I don't think we have. Yeah, we, we saw Sweet on Wednesday. We did see Sweet, so. and unfortunately gave up a home run. But that's uh, it's, it's, that's what happens. But anyways, uh, yeah, those two guys come up. We'll see what they have. See if they can be more bullpen arms for us. Um, and then uh, yeah, the other uh, the other movement was uh, the no the news came through. I guess it's as we're recording this on uh, what is today Thursday about yep. Jared Kelnick having a little bit of a. Uh, um we'll just call it a water cooler moment and breaking his foot um with uh that subsequently meaning Cade Marlowe was called up so um main notes I have there yeah yeah um just to touch on the bullpen situation here we did use a lot of bullpen arms I think Isaiah Campbell did fairly well in what we saw um I think honestly, this was just a move to get a couple of fresh arms up in the bullpen. Ty Adcock um, just kind of got bit by the home run bug. You know, we really talked him up kind of before the All Star break. Um, went, I think it was nine or ten innings without giving up a run, and then you know, kind of in the last three appearances, have given up a home run. So um, I think it was just a matter of time before Ty um, went back to Arkansas. I thought maybe he'd go to Tacoma, but they sent him to Arkansas. Um, you know, just a little bit more work. Um, there, I could definitely see a future with Ty Adcock on this team. Um, you know, just, just get a little bit more work down at double a, come back up, you know, and, and show that you want to be a part of this uh, bullpen. And then Isaiah Campbell, you know, I'm sure we're going to see him again. Excited for Perlander. Uh, didn't really know much about Devin sweet, but you know, uh, that, uh, you know, that first game wasn't the best. So I'm not going to try to use that and try to make an assumption about him. Um, we'll see what he has you know, two, three appearances down the road. Um, as for the Kelnick situation, this is the, this is the big one I wanted to talk about, Bo, um, here because um, you're going to see it one of two ways. You know, um, I know when the news first broke that Cade Marlowe was coming up and that he was in Seattle, um, we it didn't come with who got hurt, you know. And then when we found out that Kelnick was going to the IL, we were like, well what did he hurt? He didn't hurt anything in the game. And then it comes out, you know, that he, that he kicked a water cooler, broke his foot. And because he was mad about a strikeout, um, you're going to see this one of two ways, you know, you're going to see it as he, he had a tantrum, you know, and you can kind of see that was kind of, kind of brewing for him. You know, there was a couple times during the twin series in the last series, um, that, uh, he wasn't getting calls going his way. Um, he, he did have a fairly good twin series, um, at least in the first couple games. Um, he had a couple hits here and there, raised his batting average a little bit. Um, you know, no home runs, but a lot of, uh, you know, just getting on base, trying to make something happen. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he, you can kind of see it brewing, you know, and he, he you, you're going to either see it as he had a tantrum or he's just very passionate. Um, after I kind of watched his his. Uh, impromptu press conference in the dugout today. Um, I think Ryan Divish tweeted it. Um, I was a little more sympathetic, I guess is a way to put it. Um, he, he does, he's a very passionate guy and you know, he wants to do well. And um, he kind of broke down, you know, telling, telling the reporters like, yeah, I, I screwed up. Like I let people down, you know, Scott talked about it a little bit and he's like, Jared knows he let people down. Um, you know, so, uh, but you're going to see it one of two ways. You're going to see it like this is a professional baseball player having a tantrum and you're going to, you, 
you know, we said that about Chris Sale. We said that, you know, about um, it's not coming to me right now, Bo, but the guy that punched a wall. That wasn't Chris Sale. There was someone else that it happened to. Or you're going to see it as just being very passionate. Um, sucks for Kelnick, you know, but this might be what Cade Marlowe needs, you know, to show that he could be a part of this club. Yeah, I think it's, I think, I think you're right on the Cade Marlowe part. And I think it was it, was it Devin Williams? Is that who did it? Was that who punched the, punched the wall? I think I can't remember. Wasn't Devin, was it Joba Chamberlain? I, it, it was a reliever. I thought I thought I'm going to, no, no, no. It was a starting pitcher. I think it was Devin. It might've been Devin Williams in 2021. It's happened numerous times. I think all to go to yeah. say like, um, players are very passionate and I think we forget that from time to time. Right. Like I think we, we all get caught up in the game and how the team performed and the outcome of it all. And, um, you know, I think we forget how much I think this impacts like the players at the end of the day. And I think the, I always think the answer lies somewhere in the middle of like, you know, he was very passionate about it, but also, you know, he was relatively, um, very emotional about it and, you know, was too hot headed about it. And I think those can both be true. Right. I think that, um, you know, he can take it as a growing moment as a young player. Um, but also, you know, just being, I think, writing the emotions that come with, um, a team that I think is, um, <clears throat> probably not succeeding as well as it wanted to. Right. And I think that mm-hmm. you saw some of that kind of come out with Jared. Um, I think especially in the press conference or the mini press conference that he had, um, so I think that it, it lies somewhere in the middle and I think you, this can be a growing moment, hopefully for him. And, um, you know, I don't know what kind of message it sends to the, the rest of the team or how the rest of the team feels about it. Right. But, um, I think Jared really wants to win. And I think it was evident in that it just, you wish that maybe would have had a little more, I don't know, restraint or a little bit more, you know, breathtaking when that going all went on. But, um, yeah, I think that's just going to happen with, I think the, the way that Jared plays the game and again, hopefully he can learn from it and I think come back and be better. Right. So, um, yeah, I think kid Marlowe on your note, right. Um, swinging a relatively hot bat, um, in Tacoma the last uh, couple of weeks or so. Um, he has been, yeah. So he's hit a couple home runs. He went on a nice couple of hit game streak there. So I think the Mariners certainly wanted to see what they've got with him. You know, he was somebody in the earlier part of the season, spring training time, we thought might get a shot. So I think it is exciting to kind of see what we've got with Cade Marlowe. Um, you know, I, I, no offense to Taylor Trammell, but I am glad we're just kind of seeing something a little different. Um, you know, just want to see, you know, at this point, right. Um, what did Jerry say today at his, uh, press and his, um, show, right. Like we haven't really separated ourselves in a meaningful way. So like, I think in that case, I'm happy to see somebody else that, um, might spark something there. And again, Cade Marlowe, maybe not going to be, um, you know, the major spark that we need, but at least we're trying to give somebody a different shot here. So, um, I'm interested to see what Cade Marlowe can do. Um, and then I think to kind of button up the Kelnick stuff, I was kind of looking back at, um, other foot injuries and, um, I don't know how you're feeling. I don't know if you know more about foot fractures than I do, but, um, I was looking at like Matt Carpenter last year was out for 60 days. Chris Taylor had a foot injury that he was had a fractured foot. He was out for 30 days. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm guessing four to six weeks, six to eight weeks, and we'll see where the Mariners are at, at that point. But um, I'm anticipating Kelnick to be out for quite a while. He could be out for a while. What I read, and I don't know, I can't remember if Matt Carpenter had surgery. You know, he had to have surgery to kind of 
put the bone back into place, which could have probably led to 60 days. Kelnick is only going to be in a boot. He doesn't need surgery. Um, you know, so uh, playing got a sport where you gotta you gotta have some some you know you gotta run and you gotta run the bases. You gotta have good explosion when you're going after outfield balls. It'll probably be a little bit more time just because it is a foot fracture. But um, you know, with him not needing surgery, which is a a, a very good thing to hear. You know, it's just going to be in a boot and they're going to let it heal kind of naturally. Um, I think four weeks is probably reasonable. Um, I would hope, you know, maybe maybe four weeks and then give him like a week or two of uh, rehab assignment, you know, um, down in AAA to try to get some of the rust off and then he comes back up. But, um, you know, it's just a good sign that um, there's no surgery involved with this, you know, so... Yeah, I was going back. I think Ozzy Albies had foot surgery last year. I think he was out for like 90 days. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I don't think it's that severe. So, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, in that case, you know, hopefully we'll get him back. Um, you know, maybe sometime in August. That would be hopeful there. Yep. 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 Well, Bo, that is our Mariners notes for the day. Let's move on to the, uh, Mariners twin series. Uh, we saw some good. We saw some bad. Um, I think the biggest takeaway, if I'm looking at the series as a whole, the biggest takeaway is I want Eddie Julian from the twins. Can we trade for him? Can, can, can you place a call to Jerry and, you know, get that in motion? We need a second baseman. He can play second base. Like, let's do it. He's in, he was a fun player to watch. Yeah, no, super. Yeah. He had a, he had a really nice, uh, Really nice series. Um, yeah, no, super fun to watch. And uh, hey, the the Twins were a, I thought we were going to be a, tr- a decent trade partner for the Mariners prior to the season. So um, uh, who knows? I, I doubt it. I think it might be doubtful at this point, but um, I'll see what I can do for you there, Ricky. But no, um, I mean, pretty good. I mean, yeah, I think a mixed bag of a series, right? Um, some highs, some lows. Um but uh, I think the the I think this the the summary of Mariners baseball has just been we we take a step forward we take a step back and we're you know still sitting at five hundred at the end of the day so um, ultimately kind of what I thought of the series was just uh, you know I would say some highs some lows some um, average points and ultimately ends up you know still being a five hundred team so um, but. Uh, yeah, I think it was just another mixed bag of a series, which is kind of a continuous theme for the Mariners this far. Yep, yep. Um, but before we pop into this, Bo, did you see there was a, I think it was Talking Baseball posted this uh, this stat um, <laughs> for how so average the Mariners have been. Um, in like two games, the first two games of the season, they went one one uh, it was like the first ten games of the series season. They went five for five, or five and five. Uh, first twenty games they were ten and ten. Uh, basically, it led to like the first hundred games of the season, or the first eighty games of the season. They were forty and forty. So <laughs> incredibly average team. You know, we're not so far under five hundred. We're just sticking at five hundred at all these, I don't know, milestones of games. Just kind of weird to see. Yeah, and I think it's the time spent at 500 is also, I think it's trending um, in a way of like, 
pretty historic there for the Mariners. I think like the time spent at 500 is going to be at the end of the day, very high for the Mariners at the end of the season. And uh, yeah, I think like, I think average is the, is the word of the day. Um, I think, you know, I, I listened to, I listened to Jerry DePoto on the, you know, his show this morning. And um, he talked about just that the offense is at the end of the day, just average. Right. Um, he mentioned, you know, WRC plus of, right around a hundred. I think it's actually just a tick under that. Um, and I also like to bring in like baseball reference, um, but which also kind of has us as a, as an average offense more or less. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think average is just the very good way to describe certainly this offense thus far. You'd think maybe with an average offense and an above average pitching staff, we might be a little bit over those 500 game clip. Um, and I think we, we, I think we might get there at the end of the season, but we'll see. But, um, yeah, average is just the average is just the way that I think we have to describe this team thus far. And I think from what we anticipated, I don't think we certainly thought that, but, um, I think it's, I think it's apt for, for the way that this team has gone. How do you feel about all that? And maybe some things that Jerry said this morning as well. Um, I, I tend to agree with some of the stuff that he's saying. Uh, and I, I, like I said, it's just, that's the theme of the, or like you're saying, theme of the day, it's just average. You know, we're, we're playing 500 baseball through the first hundred games of the season, basically. And I just, well, it's a tough pill to swallow coming off a, a nice playoff run last season. And, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to dive a little bit more into Jerry's, uh, Jerry's comments at the end of, you know, reviewing the twin series. Um, because I, I, I certainly think that it wouldn't be smart to be buyers this year and don't focus on the future, but, um, we're going to come back around to that. So, um, let's, let's dive into game one here, Bo. Um, seven to six victory by the Mariners. And, um, up until the ninth inning, the Mariners, I thought had played a, a pretty good game, um, offensively. And actually had a fairly good showing from the pitching staff. Um, Logan Gilbert kind of had to labor through five innings. Um, the Twins, you know, for what I, you know, knew or didn't know about them, they're really good at running up pitch counts. Um, Logan Gilbert only made it through five because they ran his pitch count up. And that was kind of, um, that must have been their their thing for this series because, um several times through the series uh taylor Sacedo, i think threw 40 pitches one game um munoz had to throw 30 in one game uh you know there's there was other players that threw 20 other relievers that threw 20 30 pitches or pitches a game and that's you know i think why ultimately prolander baroa and devin street got called up was because we needed some fresh arms you know in, in this four game series but um you know, in game one, pitching staff outside of Ty Adcock looked pretty well. Um, Logan Gilbert, five innings pitch, seven hits, two runs, two earned, only one base on balls, had five Ks. Um, Spire, Brash, and Munoz all came in and got a hold. Um, you know, they combined to only give up one run. Ty Adcock got brought in in the ninth because it wasn't a safe situation and gave up three hits, three consecutive hits, including a home run. Um, and it, he got tagged with three earned runs. Um, you know, and ultimately I think that's probably what led to him being optioned, being one of the guys optioned. 
Um, couldn't make it through the ninth inning. Paul Sewell had to come in for a third at the end, but he ended up getting his 19th save. Um, so pitching wise, pretty, pretty average. Again, pretty average pitching performance. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. Um, you know, outside of maybe the middle part of the relief core there. Yeah. And the, the, yeah, I think you, I think you're right. I think you hit it right, right there. The twins, um, ran up some pitch counts and uh they didn't um swing and miss as much as i thought they might in this in these first i think two games um mm-hmm. you know logan gilbert in this game i think had eight swings and misses or whiffs in this one matt brash did generate a lot of whiffs in this game as well but um if we're keeping track of whiff percentage right the the twins are the only team that beat the seattle mariners in that uh in that percentage there so i was anticipating maybe a little bit more but i thought the twins did a pretty good job of getting to Gilbert, getting to the bullpen in this game. Um, and, uh, the bullpen, I think still kind of came in a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, you know, I think Gabe Spire gave up a, a homer in this one. Um, Ty Adcock, like you said, gave up a homer, but, um, you know, still for the most part, I feel like they were able to end up, you know, they, I think they were kind of wrangling it together enough to kind of close out. I think the game, um, in a way that, um, I think is especially needed in this what kind of one run situations like we've um, put ourselves into and in one run games we haven't been as tight either but I think we were able to kind of I think wrangle this one together and still kind of put a W on it um, you know with the offense giving us uh, you know decent support in this one yeah yeah and the offense looked it was probably one of the better it was probably the best offensive game for the Mariners in this series um you know, top of the lineup, Julio and, and JP didn't do well. They went 0 for 7 combined. But Kelnick, you know, again, had a had a pretty good series against the Twins. Game 1, he went 2 for 4, had a run, um, had two RBIs. Um, Gino was probably the offensive MVP, um, at least in the first three games. He, he had uh, back-to-back-to-back nights of home runs, and I'm pretty sure Monday was his birthday, so... He hit, um, you know, one home run on his birthday, which was cool to see. But he went two for four in Monday's game, had two RBIs, had a run, only struck out once. Um, and then Cal, Teo, and Caballero each had a hit. Only seven hits for the Mariners. Um, but that was enough to get it done. And, uh, yeah, it, it it was, the unfortunately, the best offensive output I think the Mariners had all series best offensive output. Um, but I think the big note from this one, it seems like, um, seems like Eugenio started a surge at the, at the, in this game anyways, and hopefully we'll continue that going forward. So I think that was the, for me, I think that was the big note from the game. Um, coupled with, you know, a couple guys, Jared having a good game as well. Um, in addition, I think Teo had a nice double in this one. So a couple offensive, um, bright spots there for sure. I think, highlighted with you know Hanio getting off to a to a really good three game stretch here. Yeah, yeah. Um Mike Ford went over two in this game, did have a run, had a had a run because he walked. Um I'm getting excited about what I'm seeing from Mike Ford. Um I think he hit, if I'm not mistaken, two home runs and I'm gonna I'll cover it in the next couple games. I think he hit two home runs this series. Um you know he did have a kind of a stretch there where we were striking out a bit, but um you know, kind of bringing the power when the Mariners need it. Um, you know, trying to keep games close. I feel like he's pretty good at when we're down, 
coming in in the eighth and ninth and getting a home run. We've seen that actually quite a bit this season from him since he's got called up. Um, but again, he went over two in Monday's game. Um, team runners in scoring position, three for eight. Uh, only left four on base. Teo grounded into a double play, and Kelnick um, had his 12th stolen base. So uh, that was game one, and the score doesn't reflect probably um, how much better the Mariners were in that game just because of what happened with Ty Adcock in the ninth. Um, easily should have been a 7-3 ball game. But beating Sonny Gray, good to, good to see, um, at least in game one. Uh, game two, uh, this was another game, Bo, I, I pretty much just turned off. I think I was watching, but I wasn't really watching. Um, you know, the Mariners kind of fought and took the lead in the first, um, but uh, Twins just kind of put it on, poured it on, and the Mariners couldn't do anything after the first. And the Twins won 10-3. to Bailey Ober got the win for the Twins and uh, had a fairly good performance. Didn't walk anyone, had 5Ks. Um, maybe was left out there a little bit too long. but um, Or not a little too long. He only gave up stuff in the first. But uh, Brian Wu um, took the loss. And it was not one of his best outings. Yeah, probably not. Well, I think... Probably his worst outing since his debut, I would think, um, if I'm thinking about that right. Um, yeah, I think left left a lot of balls, I think, over the plate. Um, had a couple walks in this game. You know, only went the, was it three and a third in this one? Um, three and a third, yep. Three and a third. Uh, yeah, I think you can probably make a case that maybe he was left out there way too long, right? Um he had already gave up five and then they put him back out there. And I think the simplest answer is just, um, I think Scott's the calculus that Scott's probably doing is, you know, I used, um, five bullpen pitchers yesterday. Right. Um, do I really want to try to stretch this bullpen more? And, um, I, I, I struggle. Cause like, I think the answer is, I think you probably should, especially when it doesn't seem like Brian Wu probably has some of his best stuff. Right. Um, yep. but, uh, I, I understand the logic that Scott's trying to do there, but, um, I, I think you also had, you know, this manner offense put up three runs in the first, right. Um, so I think there was a decent case to be made that maybe they should have put somebody else out there, um, a little sooner or pulled Brian Wu or not let him go back out there to start the fourth. But, um, you know, that was just kind of the, I think the calculus there was just trying to, yeah, not use the bullpen as much as you needed to, but I think in this game you probably should have tried to extend it a little bit more. So, um, anyways, uh, yeah, wasn't his best game. Uh, got hard hit in this game pretty well. Um, yeah, gave up too many free base runners so with a couple walks. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, these games are going to happen, right, for, like, these young guys like this. It just happened to uh, kind of come on this one in particular. Yeah. Yep. Brian Wu's final stat line, three – Three and a third inning, gave up eight hits, seven runs, six of them earned. Uh, three base on balls, had four Ks, gave up two home runs. So definitely not a good outing. Um, the bullpen didn't look terrible, um, but uh, Ty Adcock went two innings, uh, the eighth and ninth, gave up uh, two runs. And I think, let's see, yeah, Correa gave up a uh, – a home run to Correa in the ninth, Farmer in the ninth, and yeah, I think that kind of 
that was kind of the the um the moment where they were probably like we're probably gonna send you down um salcedo came in like i said pitched like had like 40 pitches only gave up one run and on three hits went two innings and isaiah campbell had a good outing he did have in one and two thirds innings uh one walk but he had three strikeouts um so i'm excited to you know probably to for him to get a little bit of work in Arkansas, come back up. I thought he looked pretty well. Um, and then, like I said, the Mariners offense did all their scoring in the first. Um, Gino had a home run, his 13th home run off of Bailey over. Um, it was a two run shot in the first. Um, I think was it Kelmick? No, it was Cy France. Cy France had an RBI. I think he scored the other one or had the other RBI in the first, but, that was it for the Mariners' offense. They went two for seven with runners in scoring position and six left on. So not a lot of action after um, the first inning for the offense, which was uh, kind of crappy to see. Um, they did have nine hits. JP had a hit. Gino had a hit. Julio actually set out this game, um, you know, got a rest. And uh, so Kelnick was playing center field. I don't think he's very – I don't know. He's, he's definitely not a center fielder to me, Bo. Um, you know, he's definitely a corner outfielder and kind of kind of had a couple flubs in, in center field, but, you know, I don't knock him for it. Um, Teo had a hit. Ty France had a hit. Mike Ford went two for four. Pollock and Caballero. So everyone but Cal Raleigh had a hit. Just couldn't just couldn't bring him around, you know. Um, so Yeah, I thought, um, was, yeah, I thought like a couple flubs and – I, I just, just didn't look super tight, super, super sharp. Like even though we scored, you know, three in the first inning, like we sh- probably should have had more. Um, like Teo blew past Maniacta on, uh, you know, a play, and then ended up getting called out of play at the plate, and then Ty France gets thrown at the plate. Um, you know, just standing up. So I don't know. I thought there was just, uh, yeah, a couple of base running errors in this one, or you know, at least. Um, a couple of mistakes I thought, right. Like we should probably should end up having more in this first and kind of making it a little bit um, easier for Brian Wu there with scoring some more runs. But um, yeah, I just didn't think it was the tightest game, certainly on the, I don't want to say the mental side of things, but um, yeah, it just didn't look very like a very tight game overall from the Mariners, at least in this one, you know, we're able to string, string, a couple, string together a couple of hits here. Um, tapping yeah. into Eugenia a little bit, but I just didn't feel like it was a super tight game for the Mariners uh, offense, especially. Yeah. And uh, you know, like I said, it felt like Mar- Monday was the best offensive output for the Mariners. Cause this game, they only put three runs up and all of it came in the first um, Wednesday's game, which we're moving on to, it was a six to three loss. Um, you know, that one was kind of a continuation from, Tuesday's game, they uh, through the first five innings couldn't put up a run, and they were losing three nothing. And it took a uh, Tom Murphy home run off of Kent Tomeda to uh, you know get a run on the board. And then the next inning, Gino um, hit a home run, his 14th home run off of Griffin Jacks. It was a two run shot. Um, I don't know if you were listening to the radio broadcast, Bill, or watching the television broadcast, but that is the first home run that Griffin Jacks has given up all season. Um, so good on Gino to kind of tag him with that because uh, they were actually talking about his barrel rate. I think it was Aaron Goldsmith was talking about um, 
the barrel rate for Griffin Jacks and like the MLB average for a pitcher. Um, and, and barrel rate is described as um, the best possible outcome when hitting a ball like in the sweet spot. And it is a, you know, a drive. It's like 8%. Um, Griffin Jacks, his barrel rate this season is 2%. So very low. And it was good to see uh, Gino, you know, kind of reverse the trend, at least for this game against him and get a two run shot because it's been pretty tough to deal against Griffin Jacks. But uh, again, that was, uh, that was kind of the Mariners offense. You know, that's, that's where they put up their three runs and they tied the game. But then in the eighth and ninth inning, the twins, um, you know, put up three rather runs and ended up taking the win. Um, do you think Devin Sweet should have been called in in the ninth here? I, I still think the game was winnable in the ninth, and, and he didn't take the loss. Andres Munoz took the loss because he gave up the go-ahead run in the in the eighth inning, but it was still a winnable game, though, and Scott thought his Devin Sweet's first appearance should be in the ninth inning of a one-run ball game. Um, yeah, I thought it was a little... I think I thought it was a little questionable of where they were going to go with it. Um, you know, I think you had Paul Seawall that pitched uh, a third of an inning on the Monday game. And then, yeah, he didn't pitch in the Tuesday game at all. So yeah, I thought it was a little curious that they were going to put him in at that situation. Um, yeah, I don't know. Again, I, I don't know what the calculus was on some of that. Right. I don't know if it was just, uh, you know, we were already down, so they didn't really want to put Seawald in in that situation. Um, I understand the reasons for that, but um, <clears throat> yeah, I thought it was uh, I thought it was a little odd to put him there, but I also knew that the bullpen was pretty taxed. So um, I, I don't know at the top of my head another option that I think we might have had. But um, yeah, I you know I also think that um, Jerryan team um, think that you know they want to put their guys and I think give them you know, big situations the best that they can and see how their guys perform. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think unfortunately, really unfortunately for Devin Sweet, this just kind of happened to be, uh, um, you know, I think, uh, kind of the, probably I want to say like the worst outcome from him, right. It could have been way worse, but, um, yeah, it's tough to see. I, I probably would have liked maybe, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, maybe like Matt Brash or somebody else to come in at that point. Um, but, yeah, I think I think Jerry, I think Scott is very trying to be pretty conservative with how he uses his bullpen sometimes, and um, mm-hmm. this is probably another example of that. I think it was probably the wrong move to put in Devin Sweet at this point. I don't know how you feel. I would probably go with Matt Brash, but um, I get the reasons for it. I just I don't know. I don't want to say it seems like sometimes. Scott does the does, Scott does things and says, uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to win this game. So I'm just going to throw out somebody there that I can use that, um, you know, um, so I can make sure that I have my bullpen fresh for tomorrow. Um, I don't want to say I assume that sometimes, but it kind of just seems like Scott just knows that a game might be getting out of reach or, you know, the team might be ta- like taxed and we're not going to, you know, I think make a comeback and he's kind of throws out or leaves somebody in there. Right. I do. I do feel like that's a, uh, a criticism of I have of Scott sometimes just seems like he does know when games might be out of reach and just kind of throw somebody out there that he knows that, um, you know, either he's going to put in a bad situation or, you know, trying to save somebody for the next game. So um, I don't know. How do you feel about, how do you feel about the decision? How do you feel about Scott's kind of bullpen usage? I think over these last couple of games. 
when you talk about bullpen usage, we really didn't know who was left in the bullpen. That makes sense to bring out Devin Sweet. I still probably wouldn't have. Brash would have probably been a better option. Heck, who cares if it's not a safe situation? Put him Paul Seawald. Like, you know, I I know, I I I still think it was a winnable ball game. You know, ninth inning, you're only down by one run. You could you could come back. You know, so I don't know. Again, that's probably not why I'm not the manager. Um, and I'm not as critical about it. Maybe I should be more critical. Um, the stuff you see online with armchair armchair GMs and armchair head coaches is just atrocious. They just question every little little thing from Scott, um, you know. But it's a tough call. He it would have looked good if he put him in there and he didn't give up a run, and it would have looked bad. You know, we would have saw criticism from both ends there. So it's it's kind of a uh, it's it's a tough job. It's it's. <laughs> It's tough from the criticism standpoint, I guess, but um, yeah, it it happens. But um, Luis Castillo had a pretty good outing. Had a season high eleven Ks, only gave up six hits and led to three earned runs. Had two base on balls, and gave up two home runs, but kept the Mariners in the ball game. And uh, Tope Inspire pitched for a combined inning, looked good, and you know ultimately it just came down to. Um, Munoz not having a good day, um, not having his best stuff and, you know, sweet having his first outing kind of, we do a home run with no outs. You know, he did pretty well after he gave up the home run, but you know, it's tough. And I think, I think Scott would have took criticism kind of either way there, but, um, Luis Castillo, good to see him have a 11 case and Wednesday's game. So. Uh, yeah, I thought Luis, I thought Luis, uh, you know, despite, I think the two homers he gave up, he looked, uh, this is some of the best. I think the Luis has looked right with his 11 K's and, uh, I think he had 22 whiffs in this game, right? I think it was a good time for a team that whiffs a lot for him to, I think, get a little bit of that kind of old Luis back that kind of more dominant Luis that I think we've seen before. Um, mm-hmm. again, I think he stills had a little bit of a, of a home run problem, right. Um, you know, did give up a couple in this game, but, um, <clears throat> you know, hopefully this will kind of get him back into a, a rhythm of, um, I think being that kind of real solid, I think Luis high strikeout pitcher guy that we've seen for, you know, the last couple, um, or at least the, you know, toward the end of last year. So, um, I thought it was a pretty good outing from him. Um. And, uh, you know, obviously a little tougher from, I think, the Menuno side and the sweet side. But, um, yeah, overall, just uh, um, hate to hate to throw the term out again. Just a mixed bag of a game, right? Good pitching for the most part from the starter side. Um, I would say, you know, average offense. And, uh, you know, that's the outcome that we got in this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do want to note we had a scary moment in Wednesday's game. Uh, scary just because of how hard the guy throws. <laughs> Didn't look like Julio was affected too bad because he played in Thursday's game. But um, Yohan Duran, closer for the Twins, um, who can throw 104. He was tagging 104 consistently during the game. Hit Julio with 103-mile-an-hour pitch. Um, friend of the show, Chris Orshak, one of, one of Bo and I's friends, was at the uh, – the game that night and 
he said it's the loudest, like, he thought a gun went off when Julio got hit. It was loud. He thought, actually, my, my friend Chris texted me and was like, I thought it hit him in the hel- helmet with how loud it was. Um, Very scary moment because I wouldn't like to get hit with a 90 mile an hour pitch, an 80 mile an hour pitch. And Julio got tagged with 103. So, yeah, it looked like it hurt from the. I was, yeah, I was watching the broadcast on that one, and it just uh, very scary moment. Even through the, yeah, the elbow guard, it seemed like it was utterly painful. So, um, yeah, I mean, good to see everything's all right, but uh, yeah, I could, I could only imagine, right? So um, mm-hmm. that that man scares me. I don't know about you, but that Duran man, he's uh, that's uh, that's a scary, scary guy to kind of see there in the ninth inning. So, um, oh. I want a Eddie Julian and a Yoan Duran trade for some prospects. I would like both those guys on our team. I've always liked Yoan Duran since he come up. Uh, he has a pitch he calls the Splunker, and it is like a splitter and a was it a splitter and a curve? I can't remember, but it's a very weird pitch, and he can throw it high nineties, and then his fastball comes out and it's come the hundred and four. I can't imagine being in the box for 104. You know, even if he piped it down the middle, I'd be scared. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm lockstep right there with you. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think that the highest we've ever saw in a high school game, that's the last time Bo and I played was maybe 70, 75, maybe, you know, we, we grew up in a small town where, you know, baseball wasn't as big. And, uh, you know, there are certainly some kids that can throw, but, you know, you're not seeing <laughs> you're not seeing 90 in a high school game in in northern Idaho. So, yeah. yeah. Moving on to Thursday's game, you know, the Mariners needed to pick up a win to continue the trend of being just average. And they did. They picked up a five nothing victory and, um, you know. It was a good performance all around. Offense had eight hits, but um, you know the the key to victory here was uh, was the pitching staff and and George Kirby gave the Mariners seven seven strong innings and had ten strikeouts. Just really really liked what I saw from Kirby um, on Thursday. Yeah, now he was very dominant on uh, on the we're recording on Thursday, so um, just incredibly dominant. 20, uh, 20 swings and misses in this one. Um, you know, I think he had a little bit of everything working for the most part. Um, I think he was his spin was down on quite a few of his pitches, but um, I think he still just pounded the zone with his fastball primarily in this one. Um, <clears throat> you know, generated a lot of whiffs, generated I think just twelve whiffs off the fastball alone. So. Um, like I said, I think this was uh, a good team to do that against because of, you know, the the Twins are the only team, again, that are more than the Mariners. So um, I think it was a good uh, kind of perfect storm for Luis and Luis on the Wednesday game and then Kirby on the Thursday game to kind of come out and get some very dominant starts underneath their belt. And then, you know, I'm always a big fan of when a guy can go seven innings and kind of rest the bullpen like they have. So um, just a just an absolute perfect performance, I think, from Kirby in this game for, um, you know, I think especially what the Mariners needed, resting the bullpen and then, you know, um, <clears throat> having a couple rougher days on the offensive side to make sure that, uh, you know, 
keep that run total low for the twins and um you know ultimately end up you know getting this last one to kind of get us back to that 500 that we that we love so much yeah yeah Kirby's final line, seven innings, 10 strikeouts, only gave up four hits, no runs. Um, Matt Brash came in for the eighth, didn't give up a hit, a walk, had one, you know, didn't have, give up a walk, had one strikeout, looked really well, and then Seawald came in. Wasn't a safe situation, um, did give up one hit, but struck out two and uh, kind of shut out the Twins in the ninth there. Um, so, again, good performance by the pitching staff. Um Offensively, eight hits. Um, JP had uh, two, went two for five, had two hits. Um, looked pretty well up at the top of the lineup. He's hitting 261 now. So uh, I'm happy to see JP racing his batting average. Um, Julio went one for four. Gino went two for three. Could not continue the home run streak, but did have a double. Hit a 16th w, double of the season off of Pablo Lopez. Um, you know, so went two for three, had a run. Um, raced his batting average 10 points to 230 over the series. Uh, Mike Ford, you know, struck out a few times, uh, three times exact to be exact, and then in this fourth at bat, came up in the eighth inning and hit a home run, his 10th home run of the season. Um, Tail went two for four, had a run, two RBIs, did strike out once, and that was kind of the offense. Um, <laughs> we talked about Julio getting hit um, in game three. Game four, um, <laughs> there was a stretch in, I think it was the eighth inning against, uh, Lopez of the twins. Rowley got hit. Ty France got hit and Caballero got hit all in the same inning. Uh, the boos were a plenty for Lopez, not Pablo Lopez. Uh, I'm guessing this is Jose Lopez. Do, do you have a name here, Bo? It is. It wasn't a oh, Jorge Lopez. Former Oriole, Jorge Lopez. That's correct. So, yep, that's correct. Jorge yep. Lopez. Yep, you're right. Yep. yep, but he got tagged for three runs in the eighth inning. Um, and that, you know, helped the Mariners out, kind of solidify the uh, win. And again, move back to 500 on the season, 48 and 48. Um, we've used the term average a lot. And, uh, you know, especially with jerry's comments today coming out of this twin series um you know with with very how very average they've been playing um when when jerry said they'll look into being sellers i kind of agree with him um you know it would be fun to rehash the stuff from last year and make the playoffs and and make a, a little bit of a run and you know make the playoffs again but um i think focusing on 2024 um is probably priority and i think you can get some um some value out of guys like uh you know like tail you know he's not signed um for next season so uh you know we could be losing him potentially in the um off season this next off season so uh, you know he probably provides a little bit of value paul seawald's kind of been another name that's been thrown around um but i mean well, do you see any any other guys that might have some trade value that could net us some uh, some good you know pieces for next season? Um, so I think you know Seawald and you I think you made the top two there, but Seawald and Teoscar are probably um, probably top of mind right now. Um, uh, you know Tom Murphy is a free agent after this year. Um, 
I, I don't know if he'll net you a whole lot, but um, it is an option if they want to try to move a rental piece. But um, I also don't know who the immediate backup for um, uh, Cal Raleigh would be, right? If they go, decided to go down that route. So I wouldn't mind, you know, making sure we kind of hold on to Tom Murphy, but he is an option. Um, I do think Ty France is a name that is probably out there. Um, he has a couple years of control left, um, you know, has taken a step back. So I think the return that you might get on Ty France is probably not, um, I think probably not as good as maybe it was if you would have traded him in the off season. Right. Um, but you know, we obviously weren't going to do that. So really it made sense at the time, but, um, you know, we've, you know, we, we've heard, talked or heard about, you know, things with Logan Gilbert or, um, you know, Logan Gilbert and the interest that the Cardinals might have into him. But if I'm reading into kind of Jerry's comments, I think from you know his show, I think this morning or you know, this Thursday when we we're talking, um, it seems like the Mariners aren't really gearing up for anything massive, anything large, right? That's kind of the way that um, I'm interpreting what he's saying there, right? Like he's saying we might have a foot in the door and being sellers, might have a foot in the door being buyers, but I don't think we should expect any Luis Castillo type trade or anything that I think would be a massive blow up of like trading a Logan Gilbert, for instance. So um, I think those I think those are the names that we mentioned are probably top of mind, right? Tay Oscar, Paul Seawald, uh, maybe Tom Murphy. I think that's going to be it. Something I think that I think is going to be, I think it's going to be eerily similar to 2021, actually, to tell you the, to, uh, you know, I think to, to, to pinpoint it when we traded away um, Kendall Graveman got Abraham Toro back. I think that is probably going to be most realistic for when it comes to a trade deadline scenario for the Mariners this year. Yep. Yep. I, I agree with you there, except we're going to go get Shohei Otani. So <clears throat> that's going to happen. <laughs> Am I riling you up yet, Bo? That's, no, that's, it's, that's it's... what your sister wants. She wants controversy. It's you know, uh, in the words of Eric Bischoff, controversy creates cash. Okay, maybe that was Vince Russo. Uh, uh, Mr. Otani <laughs> is not coming to Seattle. I'm sorry to tell you this. I'm sorry to break your heart. Okay, it's not happening. Not, it's not going to happen this off season. Right. It's not going to happen. It's We're gonna, not going to sign. It's going it, to happen no. this off season. It's going to happen. <laughs> John Stanton's going to roll out the red carpet, fork over the money. You keep believing that. You know what? If that keeps you going and hopeful in this Mariner, this Mariner season, like just keep it, just keep it going. I just keep it going. Just go to bed every night, draw a picture of Shohei in a Mariner uniform. You can draw it like every single day and just hope that it's going to happen. How does that sound? Let's do that. Am I starting to sound like your average redditor? <laughs> uh, maybe. You know what? I think we should trade. You know what? You know what? I think we should do. I think we should trade. I think we should trade like like Gabe Spire and a couple other pieces to get Shoei Otani. How does that sound? What is that? Was that, what is you that? What is that? Does let's that work? do it. Does that let's, work? let's do it. You, you know, you could throw in guys like, uh, like uh, Didi Gregorius. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, I'm sure that'll help net him. Hey, uh, speaking of Didi, he hit a home run in Tacoma, I think the other night. So, um, you know, I think uh, we might be, uh, maybe put on Colton Wong watch. Let's put it that way. So um, Didi might be, uh, might be imminent. Let's put it that way. So we'll see. That is going to be the catalyst to get the Mariners to the postseason this year. DD is going to come up and hit like 400 with like 20 home runs in the last 40 games. Mm. And uh, he's going to take the Mariners to the promised land. You know, mark it. Let's mark do it. it. Check it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's do it. Let's, let's bookmark episode 54. 
you know, that's where I predicted that. So, <laughs> um, typically this is where we, uh, talk about prospects or Bo has been doing draft review, um, draft preview slash draft review. Um, but tonight we're going to skip it just because we are shooting very late. So Bo, let's get out of here. You got anything else for the fans before we get out of here? Nothing for me. All good. Alrighty. Nothing for me as well. So for all our listeners in the Puget Sound, Pacific Northwest and beyond, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forkstown podcast. For Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark, and we'll see you guys next week.